Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Power Your Life. I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here. So are you thinking? I'm sure you're thinking. The question is, what are you thinking? And do you know the power and the effect that your thoughts have on your life, your business, and everything in between? Well, we're going to find out so much more today with my very special guest, Douglas Vermeeren. He has researched the success strategies from business leaders and companies like Nike, American Airlines, Disney, United Airlines, Microsoft, and others to share their success secrets with you. ABC Television and Fox Business refer to Douglas as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. He's also the producer and director of three out of the top ten personal development movies ever made. Douglas Vermeeren now has a new hit film, Yes, How Thoughts Become Things. He's a multiple international best-selling author and has authored three books in the Guerrilla Marketing series. Douglas is also regularly featured as an expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV, and CBC, and his trainings contain practical tools and strategies that will take you to the top faster than you've ever thought possible to create more personal or business success. Currently, Douglas's program, Personal Power Mastery, is rated as number three in the world for the most powerful personal development seminars. Wow. Welcome, Douglas Vermeeren. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure for sure. So let's get right into this because I'm excited and I know we, we need help with our thoughts. Firstly, why did you create this this incredible film? Well, that's a great question. I think um, for me, the genesis of this, the beginning of it was as I was interviewing 400 of the world's top entrepreneurs and business leaders around the world, I noticed that their thinking was different. Uh, just even the way that they looked at things was different. And naturally, then in 2006, when the film The Secret came out, and you know, remember in the film, Mike Dooley says, thoughts become things. I was like, oh, yes, they do. But how? Like the how behind it. And so as I began to think about what I had observed with the top achievers, the people who created, you know, these big companies and organizations, I really wanted to understand what was it that they thought differently than everybody else? Like what was it that they really kind of had on their mind, right? And how did they analyze things? And what was it, like what were the consistent or markers that were the same versus, you know, those that aren't creating stuff? What did they have in common too, right? And so that's kind of what led to this film, and um, 
yeah, and, and and then from there, obviously, I, I needed to find the best thought leaders in the world to bring in, which I think we did. I think so, too. So why do people have such a challenge in terms of their thoughts and being able to work with them, control them, or even feel comfortable with, with some of them? Well, I, I think one of the biggest challenges is that they are trying to control their thoughts. Um, the truth is uh, there's a lot of things that we discovered that are worth mentioning. One of them, for example, is, is that every thought has a positive and a negative side to it. So when we're saying, oh, we've got to eliminate negative thinking, well, obviously then our focus goes towards the negative thinking part of things, right? And we feel then our limitations and we recognize where we're, our shortcomings are and where we're not able to achieve. So we focus on we're always less than we need to be. Whereas then if we recognize that all thoughts have a positive and negative, we can now work with that. And let me kind of explain sort of what I mean. So when a thought arrives, let's say, for example, you've got a listener that has a thought that they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to start a business. Well, right away when that thought arrives, they feel inspired. They feel enthusiastic. They feel capable. They feel, you know, this is, this is exciting. But right behind it, there's a thought saying, oh, no, you're not good enough. You've never done this before. You don't know enough. You don't have the skills. You don't have fill in the blank, right? But what happens is that thought now with the positive and negative, if you think about it, kind of descending, if you will, into your programming, right, or into your environment or where you're at now, if you've got an environment that's supportive, then all of a sudden that positive thought has more power, and that's the one that you'll pursue. But if it comes into your mind and it's negative and the support isn't there, you'll suddenly feel deflated. And to with you, this idea of you become like the five people you surround yourself with is really not just people, it's everything that you bring in your life to influence you, including, again, um, your environment, right? And so this is what's really going to help us to have that positive side of the thought to have more power. And, and I think most people underestimate that. They're too busy trying to control uh, their thoughts rather than control their environment. <laughs> You know, I think it, it, it's so important what you said, that, that thoughts have both a positive and a negative aspect to them, and, and we have to be able to look at both to really make sure what, you know, what we're thinking and how we're, we're in charge of what's going on with it. Now, you talked a little bit about the secret initially. So how does, how does this film, how thoughts become things, how, what's the difference? How does it differ from that? Well, I think what's, what's kind of interesting is The Secret was an amazing movie, and I think we all enjoyed it, but it was the beginning of a conversation, and it really helped us to start asking a certain series of questions, right, like even about who we really are and how we connect to this material. But because it was the beginning of a conversation, there were still many things that were left unanswered and also some things which I believe were unfortunately misunderstood. For example, this idea if you want to have, let's just say, a suitcase full of money arrive at your house, well, you just need to feel good about it and take some action. Well, the truth is, is I don't believe in taking massive action. I believe in taking deliberate action, meaning that there are certain things, specific things that we can actually do, not just get busy, right? Like that's, that's a bit of a frenzied effect, right? And this idea right. of just feeling it. So, you know, th there's more to it than that. In fact, I recently just wrote a book called The Truth About Manifesting Money. And I guess a good way to look at it, it's kind of like if, if you imagine that you're in a house, and you want a specific car to arrive at your house, you actually have to have a road going from that car to your house, right? Like you need the road in order for something to manifest. And so in this film, we talk a lot about how to build that road, which again starts with our thoughts. 
but it's kind of a bit deceiving because even though we say how thoughts become things, everybody focuses on the two ideas of the thoughts and the things. How do I control my thoughts, like what you said? How do I overcome fear, negative thinking, and all these kinds of things? But the rest of our thinking generally goes to the things. I want the car. I want the house. I want the ideal relationship. I want the money. I want, the, I want to travel. I want that kind of life. But where the real power is, is in those two other words, the how and the become. And the how, obviously, is that road, right? This is how it's going to arrive. And when we understand the how, we can start to really make those changes. But the become is probably the most important word. You know, Jim Rohn once said that if a person wins the lottery and they want to keep it, they have to learn how to become a millionaire very fast. Um, Bob Proctor in our film and also in The Secret shared the idea that everything vibrates at a frequency. And if you want to attract those things into your life, you need to rise to that kind of frequency. So really the truth is, is this whole journey is about change. It's how do we become something different, right? And I think that the thing that most people are lacking, and it really comes back down to this, is that um, they think that their programming occurred when they were a child. And they think that they're destined to be stuck with that. In other words, if you came from a tough situation and a bad family and a horrible environment and a bad community and you were programmed to believe nothing good could ever happen, you're stuck with that for the rest of your life. And the truth is, is that is not the case. Science has actually demonstrated that we can shift and change and create new neural pathways and very easily. That's why I love that quote that says we become like the five people we spend. Not spent. Spent is past tense. But spend. Who are you spending time with now? Because that's the programming. And I don't just mean, again, the people, but I mean everything in our environment. What kind of shows are you watching on TV? What kind of you know, things are, are you doing on the Internet? Uh, where are you investing your learning and your time? And, and certainly the people you're surrounding yourselves with uh, is a big part of that. So we need to understand that change is really the goal. And by the way, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in the film that we pointed out was that everything that you want actually already exists in some form or another. Again, if you want a Ferrari, they make them. They're out there. You want money? Well, they're printing it every day at the Mint. These things exist. So the question is, is how are you changing yourself to get yourself in the way of those things as they arrive? And most people kind of are looking at it a little bit backwards. You know, I love that because it is about change. And I'm just going to quickly tell you a, a story. When I was younger, but just about ready to drive, my mother had instilled in me, oh, it's dangerous to drive on a throughway and a whatever. And and so I got in the car, and I'm seeing in my mind, I'm actually having a thought and seeing my car crashing. And I was immobilized. I was, my foot was shaking on the accelerator. I couldn't move forward. And I had to figure out something because I wanted to drive. So what I did was I created a cartoon in my head whereby I saw my car and another car. I, I put faces on them. And this is like, like instantaneous because I was just frozen. And I saw the cars, instead of crashing as as I was fearing, they were dancing, and I felt, like, better about it, and I was able to drive. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, I, you know, I created something called Cartoon Your Fears Away because that, that helped me. So, Cartoon in terms of our fears, pardon? I say Cartoon Your Cars. <laughs> yeah. That was great. There you go. 
How do people actually overcome? Because that was a technique that I utilized. But but you and you and yeah. you talk about this too in the film. How do people overcome the fear, even the fear of change? Because you said everything is about change. Oh yeah. Well, it's interesting. You remember that Mark Twain said the only person that likes change is a wet baby. So um, <laughs> nobody likes change. And, and even as I interviewed the top achievers in the world, they didn't like change either, but they embraced it. They did it, right? Now, I love your idea of how do we overcome fear. Well, in, in the film, there's a, a lady that talks about her experience of having a fear of spiders. I don't know if you remember that from the film. And she mm-hmm. um, shares that, quite frankly, she was given a job to work at uh, a national park outside with animals, including spiders. And so now she had to face those fears. And it's kind of, it reminds me of like a child who is afraid of the dark, right? If we turn the lights on, they're okay. You turn the lights off, they're not okay. And what is it that makes that difference? It's a fear of the unknown. And in the case of, you know, all of us really, our fear is a mechanism of our imagination. In other words, we create things that don't necessarily exist or we imagine into being things that didn't exist, but now we are afraid. Now, the truth of the matter is, is I think it's important. I love what Dennis Waitley said in our film. He says we can't really, we shouldn't really make fun of or belittle or demean somebody that has a fear because to them that fear, that imagination has become so intense that it's become a form of reality. And so we've got to be really uh, understanding of that. And in ourselves, we've got to recognize that those realities shift as they get light on them. In other words, as we gain an awareness of what's really there, as our imagination replaces its ideas with fact, that fear can go away. So the lady in the film, you remember that she talked a little bit about this idea of as she began to learn about spiders, uh, which I think is probably difficult if you're already afraid of them. So obviously she had to make a very deliberate choice to learn about spiders. But as she did, she began to recognize which ones would hurt her, which ones would not, and why they would hurt her and so forth. And so that awareness took away that fear. Now, I love that you also brought up fear. I, I had, um, since the movie's come out, I've had a lot of letters and emails and stuff from people who've seen the film, and it's really touched them in different ways. But one of my favorite letters that I received was from a young boy who was 11 years old. He sent me an email. And um, in this email, he said, um, you know, I really appreciated this section on fear and talking about fear and how fear can become one of your greatest powers and sources of power rather than a detriment. He said that he used to be afraid while at school Um, first of all, there were some bullies that were there and he would go home a different way, walking home from school just to avoid them. Uh, And he was always afraid that they would find him. While he was in school, he didn't do very well in school, so he was afraid that, wow, I'll never succeed at this and, you know, my math is too hard and these things are too hard and maybe I'll never get a good job. I probably will never graduate and I'm afraid of that. And obviously his family was uh, afraid because he wasn't able to learn it. But he said, but the biggest fear that I have right now is he said right now coronavirus has just started up and going on. And he says, I see all the adults around me and they're afraid and they don't know what to do. And he pointed out that all the conversations for the most part uh, in the media and elsewhere have been towards adults, not kids. And so here he is as an 11 year old watching those that he is trusting, those that are his comfort piece, those that are supposed to protect him and they're afraid. 
And he said, I really was terrified for the longest time. In fact, in my night, in my bed, when I was sleeping at night, he says, I thought that this was the end of the world. And, you know, it's, we're all going to die. And heaven knows there's enough movies out there that make this even look <laughs> even worse. Right. And so right. he, he just started again, his imagination took hold and started creating things that were not a reality. And uh, it was interesting. He said that as I saw the film and I began to understand what fear was and how fear could actually empower me instead of hold me back, it really shifted things for me. And now I'm not afraid. And to me, that was kind of a neat email to get to see that we were able to have that kind of an impact on someone, um, especially an 11 year old, right? Like, so <laughs> it, it was cool. But fear is. It's so important, too, because, because he would. Not only did he love the film, he was affected by it and was able to utilize the information that he that he gained from the film to really be able to to shift his own thinking and and have a sense of empowerment. So that's so important, and we do need to do this in this time of COVID. So many thoughts yeah. run run in our minds, and we're not even aware sometimes of what we're thinking. How do we know? How do we how do we access the the stream of thoughts that go by really really quickly, and be able to make that change and shift them as we want to? Well, I think uh, it always is going to come down to awareness, right? And so, let me maybe explain how awareness is created because most of us say or think that awareness just means I just need to be a bit more mindful and and see what's going on. Well, the truth of the matter is, is most of us, most of the time are on autopilot. And if we're trying to become unaware pilot, so to speak, um, sometimes that comes back to that problem of trying to control our thoughts, which is really next to impossible. So rather than trying to say, oh, there goes another bad thought, oh, there goes another bad thought, what we need to do is get clear in the beginning of what we really want, right? A goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near. And when we have clarity around what we're really looking to achieve or have in our life, it becomes easier to recognize it when it appears, and it also becomes easier to recognize when it's not there. And we can build boundaries. And so I think that that's the first step is to really recognize what we want, right? What is it that we are really looking to create? And with that clarity, that's when we can start to to, to really be purposeful. Now, the interesting thing that you said is, what do we do when we have these thoughts that just quickly appear that are going to hit us, right? And these ones that are fleeting, they come in and they go out, but it was a negative thought. You know, I wouldn't really stress too much about those because the truth of the matter is, is what we've discovered in our research of creating the movie is that the human mind actually doesn't get started with an activity or even by creating a belief with something that it doesn't find value in or feel like it can construct. So the human mind actually is on a hunt or a mission to find things that it could construct, right? So maybe let's put it in layman's terms. The brain doesn't give effort to what it could do. It gives effort to what it can do. And so it really mm. needs to believe that it's, it's attainable and that it's doable. So, for example, like if um, uh, just as an example in life, you might get an idea that's just really a huge idea, and you might say, wow, that's neat. I'd love to do that. But then you, the second thought is, well, I'll leave that for somebody else because it's just too big. I'm not, I could never do that. But that's a neat idea, right? That's the same way that our brain will work. Until we really decide that something is achievable and attainable, it really doesn't invest the, the support to do that. Now, I want to mention another thing about this idea of awareness and clarity. And, and maybe I'm, you know, kind of sound like a broken record here. But we can control our environment 
often more than we can control our thoughts. Our thoughts are very reactive, right? So, for example, if I was even to say the word dog right now, right, and I ask you to think of a dog, well, the truth of the matter is I just planted that thought there. You weren't thinking of a dog before this show, right? right. And the listeners were – the last thing on their mind was probably a dog unless they had one sitting next to them. But things in our environment stir our thoughts. Now, if we were to take that same example of a dog, and let's say before you and I got on this show today and I said, I'm going to ask you to think of a dog, so just think of a dog now, plan, create the one you want, and later on when I say dog, you're going to have the control to select exactly the dog that you wanted, right? So now it is no longer as reactive. You prepared for it. And the same is true. So if you take the time right now to decide this is how I want my life to look, this is how I want my um, you know, relationships to be. This is where I want my abundance to be. This is what I want to do f- for, you know, my business or whatever. If you decide those things before the moments appear, you'll find that you'll have more control over it. And I think that it's so important that you recognize that that preparing in advance, like I said, also includes your environment. So, for example, for me, uh, you know, again, here I am making this movie how, or made this movie, How Thoughts Become Things, well, those kind of things don't happen by accident. So what did I do? Well, to start off, I actually changed my immediate environment. In fact, for me, what I did is I had um, some music selected that I wanted it to be like. I, I, I had a logo created. I created some imagery. And I started surrounding myself with, with the things that I wanted the film to feel like. Then I started reading the books on, on this information and started looking at who the potential speakers would be. I started considering, again, how the message would unfold. So in other words... I started increasing my proximity to that outcome, right? Proximity equals power. So the, more, the closer we put ourselves to the things that are going to be part of that, the easier it is. In fact, um, in, in the trainings that we do, we call it the law of probability. We do what we can to increase the probability that it will occur by putting ourselves in the right proximity next to the people, places, things, education, knowledge, all the things that could contribute to that. And, and I think that that's something that people need to do. So can you imagine a negative thought now appearing on the scene with someone that's surrounded by all the elements of what they're trying to put together? Well, it just doesn't have the power to survive. If a negative okay. thought came in and said, don't make, this, don't make this film, Doug, yet I've got the artwork around me, the music going, I've got the, the visuals, I've got the books that I've read. There's no way that that negative thought can survive. So you've got to ask yourself, how can you kind of like kill it out, Right. And did I have negative thoughts along the way? Did I have moments where I was like, oh, I don't know, this is going to be a hard one to make? Of course I did. Everybody has that. It's that, again, that idea of positive and negative thoughts appearing together. It's, it's inevitable. But the thing that we need to look at now is how can we create, sort of, if you will, a fortress to protect what we really want, right? And that, that's the thing that I think most people struggle with. So I love that. So basically what you're t- what you're telling us to do, and, I, and it's great, is to really kind of build our environment towards what we want to, and, and create it with as much, like you did it with, with many different things, the music, the images, and, and the more we do that, the more power we give to what we want. So, so that's beautiful. Absolutely. So, and just to remember also that the big fuel that keeps all thoughts going is emotion, right? Emotion is what will put you in motion. And so right. if you've got an idea that you don't feel strong enough to even, you know, change a little bit of your environment, you're, you're not really emotionally connected to it, right? And if you look at it, all, all kinds of people who uh, 
you know, have dreams and things that they want to do, you can always kind of tell by how committed they are to sort of how their emotions start creating action within them. If their emotions don't really create any kind of change or action, I'll be honest, you might tell me you want something, but you really don't. You think you do, but you don't, right? Because you're not fired up about it. You're not that excited about it. It's just sort of verbal talking, right? Nothing. Yeah, I think the I think the emotion is really like you said what what really gets the the steam growing and 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 the excitement flowing and everything moving. So with that, it sounds so easy on some level to be able to to make that shift. Then then how come so many people are filled with self sabotage and not able to do that? What what gets in the way? Well, here's here's the the truth. The reason why they're self sabotaging is again because it's something that they either don't really want or they can't see how it's connected. We always put secondary the things that we don't love the most. In fact, we'll always sacrifice for the things that we do love the most. Think about it, right? You know, uh, if if one of your loved ones, especially a child, accidentally stepped in front of a bus, you would get in front of the bus to get them out of the way. So we will sacrifice for the things that we really, really, really love. So, again, it's either one of two things. We procrastinate because we don't see how this thing that we're putting off is connected to what we love, or we don't love it enough. We really don't love it. We think we do, but we don't. I kind of love what in my last film, The Treasure Map, what John Demartini said. I love this, and John's one of my best friends, so this is, I think, a great quote that everybody should write down. He said, everyone is wealthy. It just appears in the form that we value most. And so, again, if, if you're, you know, if, if, if to you, say, for example, spending time off with your family and, or, you know, sitting watching movies or playing Netflix is, is what occupies your time rather than getting to work or what, right? These are the things that you value most. You value your time on Facebook uh, catching up with people more than you value doing some other activity. And so we've got to really understand what is it that, that we value? What is our priority? And what we value will always rise to that highest priority. Now, that brings us to this question of uh, finding our why, right? And I talk about that in the opus. In fact, it's funny. I was one of the speakers to really start talking about your why even before it became sort of a buzzword and all this. You've got to find your why power before you find your willpower, right? And your why power needs to be intensely emotional. It needs to be something that's truly connected because the truth of the matter is um, when you find something that you love, that you want to do, it's, it's not always going to be easy to do it. In fact, one of my success interviews that I did was with Edward James Olmos, the actor, and he said his definition of success, he said some people say success is finding what you, know, what you love. He says that's not true. He said, success is really finding what you love and then doing it even when it's hard. And that's an interesting definition if you think about it, because we all have moments where even if you love what you're doing, let's say that you're a speaker, and I know you're a speaker. Uh, I do a lot of speaking too. Uh, there's moments, I just love it, but there's moments it's hard. There's moments when, you know, I've had to be away from my family. In fact, I do a lot of teaching in uh, Europe and London and the UK and there's days when my seminar technically starts at 2 a.m. my time, which means I just got <laughs> off a plane, I maybe get a quick nap, and then I'm teaching again at 2 a.m., right? Like, it's not always easy to roll out of bed at 2 a.m. to start teaching a seminar when you're totally at a different time zone, right? So we've got to love something enough that when the difficult moments come, 
I'm not saying they'll be easy, but we can manage them. We can work through them. We're still excited enough because we can see the purpose behind those difficult moments. And I think that that's something that people really need to kind of dial into. You got to find what really excites you. And by the way, I, I, I do want to share something. When I interviewed the, the, the world's top achievers, I found that a lot of the things that, you know, the gurus are kind of teaching us is not correct. There's a lot of stuff out there that is being taught in personal development that just doesn't work. And one of the things is, you need to follow your passion and your purpose. And I'm going to say that's only half true. And what I mean by that is if you follow your passion and purpose by yourself, number one, that's a very selfish and lonely place to be. Uh, it kind of reminds me of what Warren Buffett said. He said, what you love about you is your hobby. What others love about you is your business. So what you want to find is not just your passion and your purpose, but you want to see where your passion and purpose overlaps the passion and purpose of others. And when you can see that overlap, that's really where you become of service so that you're not serving by yourself or serving yourself. You're actually serving people who love and validate and feel value in the same things that you do. That's the real sense of passion and purpose because, you know, I mean, if, if, if you started a business and your passion and purpose was to color coordinate your Beanie Baby collection, Nobody cares. It doesn't really give value to anyone but you. But if you have a business or you serve in a way that serves the passion and purpose of others and you're contributing to them, not only will you become extremely wealthy, but even more important, you'll find validation. And validation is also what keeps you going when you have these difficult moments, right? When you have these challenges that you need to overcome, when you have to stay focused. If you're, get, if you're being validated by a group that loves you and supports you, that's where you're really going to see things come together. You know, it's so important what you just said, too, because we're, we, we don't exist in a vacuum. And to be able to get excited about something, but really be able to share that passion and purpose with others that are connected to that, to me, is, is the most beautiful thing because it brings up, not only does it bring us together, but it elevates our, ourselves, but it elevates other people, too, and allows them to feel better about themselves and move forward. So so I think that's great. So uh, is it easy to just shift, to do change our thoughts? I mean, there's a process, and you've talked about some of it. How quickly does that happen, and, and why, 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 if it's taking so much time, do people give up? Well, you know, it's interesting because not all change occurs at the same speed. And not all change occurs for the same reasons, which is actually the more important part of that equation. Um, you know, what's interesting is I've got uh, students that I've seen make extremely quick changes in their life for a variety of things. You know, I've seen people who, for example, with Corona, they've had to, to turn on a dime just to keep their lives and businesses uh, producing income. And they've been able to do those changes quick because it was kind of like a matter of life and death. And then I've had other people who've you know, kind of realized that what they were doing for a certain time wasn't working to get to the results that they wanted. And those changes also took place fairly quick, right? And then naturally, there's sometimes we aren't aware of a change taking place, right? Like it's taking place hidden by who we're surrounding ourselves with and who we're spending time with and the things that we're learning. And then all of a sudden, one day we recognize it and we think it was an instant change, <laughs> right? And it maybe wasn't. And so I think we've got to recognize kind of how change occurs. And we've also got to understand that change, I, I know this is something that we hear a lot of gurus talk about, that change can be permanent. And I'm going to suggest that that's actually a kiss of death. We don't want change to be permanent because the world around us is not permanent, 
right? So change needs to be something that we understand that is always going to be a part of our life, and we just get to decide how welcome it will be. Now, let me maybe just share a beginning of change, which is kind of interesting. When I was out there interviewing the world's top achievers, the 400 top achievers, I decided to actually add some additional interviews into that that were not top achievers. And I did this intentionally. In fact, I wanted to understand change. And this idea of transformation and change, certainly at the time I knew a lot of the top thought leaders. Many of them are also in our films, but I decided I didn't want to go to those guys. I wanted to go to a different group that wasn't really, uh, how do we say this gently? They weren't selling change, right? They weren't selling programs that teach you how to change They were a different audience. I wanted somebody who had different motives and also somebody who maybe had a different perspective. So I decided to go and study the people who train suicide hotline workers. Now, interestingly enough, as you can imagine, when somebody calls into a suicide hotline, they're at the greatest point of despair in their life. In fact, some of these people have even already taken steps to ending their life. In fact, as I was talking with one of the girls at the suicide hotline, she told me that she's had people call who literally had already taken pills, and they're on the phone now. Uh, Some of them were talking with a noose around their neck already, or they had a gun on the bed beside them, or whatever. They were already heavily engaged in the pattern that was almost there, right? Right. And so I said, how when somebody calls at that point, and they're that committed already, how do you make a change? How do you help them change? And her answer to me was priceless. She said, Um, out of all the things that we can tell them, the one thing we won't tell them is don't kill yourself. And I was like, what? Like, to me, that's absolutely absurd. I mean, this person's about to take their lives. Uh, The the first thing I would say, me, personally, I would say don't kill yourself. She said, nope, I'm not going to say that. And so I said, do explain. Please help me understand. And she said, well, the problem is, is when these people call, the reason they're calling is because they feel they don't have any more choice. They feel like everything's been taken away. They've got no choice but to kill themselves, that that is the solution. That is the answer. And she said, if I tell them to don't kill themselves, she says, I'm also reinforcing the idea that they don't have a choice. I'm telling them what to do. This is what you have to do. And she said that that doesn't work. So they said, instead of that, what we do is we help them see the choice, but also the consequence. So in other words, we say, you could take your life. You're right. You could do that. But here's what this looks like. And we then help them understand what the consequences. And then we help them see another choice. We say, or you could call and get help, which is what you're doing now. And that's what this looks like. And she said, then we also help them see other choices. Or you could wait until tomorrow to think things through, get some help, and that's what this looks like. Or et cetera, et cetera. And we keep helping them see the choices they have. Then she said something profound. And this is the, this is the punchline, so to speak. She said, the more choices a person has, the more power they regain. And I think mm-hmm. that that's an interesting element of change, right? And I think most people have never taken the time to consider the choices that they have, nor the consequences. In fact, one of the things that's very interesting is I've never liked the definition that most people give of happiness. They say happiness is a choice. Well, I'm going to tell you that's not necessarily true. In fact, I recently spoke before COVID at a maximum security prison in North Carolina. And as I was there, there were many people in that jail who had made some choices that weren't great, but at the time they thought they were doing a really good idea, right? Like they thought they were doing the best thing for that moment. So happiness is not a choice. In fact, some choices lead to a lack of freedom. Some choices lead to pain. Some choices lead to regret. Some choices lead to some really bad things. 
So my definition of happiness is happiness is, starts with a choice but creates a consequence that you're pleased with. And generally speaking, that consequence gives more freedom and more opportunity and opens up more doors. Any choice based on immediate gratification is generally incorrect. Any choice made at a high state of emotion, especially negative emotions, is generally incorrect. And so we need to understand and start looking at our choices with a greater view of consequences to create the things that we really want, the things that we're going to be pleased with, the things we're going to be proud of, the things that are going to create legacy for us, the things that are going to create more opportunities, the things that are really going to create not just happiness but joy. And I think that there's a big difference that most people never, ever consider. You know, I think that's so incredible because oftentimes people don't, don't think that they have choices, especially right now with, with what's going on with COVID. People feel locked into to fear and, and maybe not knowing what to do. And the ability to have that choice and the ability to utilize that in a way that you're describing gives us more of a sense of personal power to be able to access those choices. You know, years ago when when um, 9-11 hit and I was working with a, with a group of women and, and one of the things that came out of the group was people felt like they didn't have choices, that, that, that those choices in terms of their lives because of what happened had been minimized and we had to talk about what other choices that they had as well as what level of control they had over their lives and their situations to begin to shift it. So so I think this is so very valuable. We are running out of time. I could talk to you forever, but what do you <laughs> want people to glean from the cuz you're you're a wonderful master here. What do you think people what do you want people, rather, to glean from this film? Because it's so different from, from your other films. And, and first, what's the difference? Well, I, I think one of the big differences between this film and the other ones that I've done, or even other films I've seen out there, is we really wanted people to be able to implement what we taught this time. So this is a different film than any others, right? Like in the other ones, no doubt there's great lessons there, there's great tools there, but this is the one, in my opinion, that really opens up the possibility for true and lasting change and also a view to see who you really are and what you want. Someone um, had me on uh, a radio interview, and we were talking about the amazing cast that we have in the film. And, you know, we've got people like Bob Proctor and Dennis Whateley and Marie Diamond and John Martini and John Osroff, Joe Vitale. I mean, we've got some of the biggest ones, Bob Doyle, like everybody, all the big names, right? And it struck me as we were talking about who's in the film that those are actually not the most important people in the film. The most important person, in fact, is you. You as you're right. watching it. And so, you know, we often have a tendency to sit back and look at a personal development film and just kind of nod our heads and say, well, that's a good idea. But this film really shouldn't be that way for you. It should be one where all of a sudden now you've got insights into who you really are and how you can change to be who you really want to be. One of the things that we've also done with this film that's a little different than the others is it actually comes with a workbook, which is <laughs> something that no one's ever done in a film before. Right, So you're not just sit, nodding your head saying, this is a great idea. You actually are going through the workbook as you watch the film. And we've had people already who have um, you know, uh, watched the film multiple, multiple times, people that have watched it as part of a study group, together as a group. We've had people, in fact, um, by the way, if, if you have assembled 25 people 
to see the film. We'll even bring on one of the speakers from the film to do a Q&A at the end with you. So, um, you know, it really is, um, again, uh, an ongoing discussion, this film, rather than just a simple viewing. And I'd say that that's probably the big difference. Um, you know, right now, we're very excited. It's being very well, like well-received. Lots of people are, are finding high value in it. And so I think that for me, um, you measure a film or a film's success by the kind and caliber of changes that you can create. And uh, that's why I think this film is quickly rising to be the number one personal development film of all time. In fact, we're outselling The Secret 3 to 1 right now. <laughs> you know, it's so important that people can not only, like you said, watch it and nod their heads or whatever, but but have certain steps, even have that that workbook to be able to to examine those steps and and be able to figure out what they're doing in their lives and then to be able to share that with a group like you're talking about and having people say well how do you do this and i i tried to you know whatever it is it it, it not only allows for the discussion but it it creates more awareness than just the viewing it by yourself and also allows for that shift that change that's so important to, to take place kind of more naturally. So that's wonderful. So what, what would you like to leave our listeners with, regardless film, thoughts, whatever, whatever, you? Well, I, I guess there's, there's a couple things. Like, obviously, if we're focusing on the idea of thoughts, um, please come join us. See the film. You can find it at howthoughtsbecomethings.com. Uh, and the film is right now available for a limited time. So now's your time. Come and see it. Get the workbook. Uh, you'll enjoy it. But I think another thing that I kind of want to share is um, we live in such an incredible time right now. And there's so many awesome luminaries and thought leaders and people who are coming out like yourself, who are speakers and coaches and trainers. And we live in a time when, you know, we've got so much support for each other. Um, And one of the things that a lot of people have asked me, they said, well, how did you get you know, some of these big names involved in your movies. How, how can I expand my message? How can I share more? Because I've got value too. And I want to share that I recognize your value and I'm excited about it. And in fact, I'm always on the hunt, even for my next movie, to find other thought leaders to bring into the next movie. So first of all, please reach out to me. I want to know who you are. But one of the other things that we've recently done is launch something called the Speaking Business Masterclass, where some of my friends, some of the biggest names, everybody from Brian Tracy to Bob Proctor to Dennis Waitley to you name it, um, we've just launched a program where we're teaching people on a weekly group coaching call how to grow their speaking business, especially in the COVID environment. So coaching and speaking. And the funny thing is, is right now there's a 30-day free trial. After that, it's only $9 a week. Like it's inexpensive like crazy. And you get access to the masters to teach you how to grow your speaking business. And so for those that might be interested in doing that, we want to support you in sharing your message. We believe that now is the greatest time in the history of the world, and there's never been a time where you're more needed than now because, you know, right now there's so many people that are struggling and suffering. So if you've got a strong message, if you need more people to hear it, if you want to become recognized for the life experience that you've had and and you've overcome or the studies that you've done or the techniques that you've designed that are here to empower us. We want to know who you are. And the best place to go is speakingbusinessmasterclass.com. Again, that's speakingbusinessmasterclass.com. And um, we want to know who you are because we want to help you get your message out. It's that easy. 
<clears throat> Love it. It's powerful. So tell people more about how they can get a hold of you and find out more, your website, anything else that our listeners need to know to find out more about Douglas from your end. Well, of course, you can follow us on social media. We've got a lot of great free tools on uh, YouTube that talk about, you know, some of the things that I teach. Uh, so if you just go to YouTube, type in my name, Douglas Vermeeren, uh, you'll see it there. But I, I really think the best place to, you know, continue the journey is instead of getting to know me, let me get to know you. And I want to know what, what you're doing with the world. And like I said, I'm looking for speakers for our next films. And I'm also looking for thought leaders that are just phenomenal and have amazing things to share that we can help. So probably the best for that is just, again, head to Speaking Business Masterclass, speakingbusinessmasterclass.com, and um, reach out. We'd like to get to know you and see how we can support the, the great work that you're doing. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Douglas. You are a gift, and I love what you're doing. Keep it up because you're impacting so many people, and we need you right now. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Take good care. So think about all the things that Douglas talked about because The first thing is about awareness. Awareness is key. And that's what Douglas said, and I I totally believe that. I think that that before you can actually change anything, you have to know what's going on. You have to take a look at, Douglas said, excuse me, not only about your thoughts but your environment and really be able to do what it takes. Like just don't watch things. You have to participate and take action and be engaged and it's beautiful and this film by the way is so powerful it will have you wowing in so many ways and the fact that Douglas said that if you get a few but like 25 people together you may actually be able to have a speaker <clears throat> excuse me come and and talk to the group that's incredible so think about what you can do to take charge of your life, to get that level of awareness and to work with your thoughts so that you can utilize your thoughts to create what it is that you desire. If you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version, docwhite.org. Remember, you have the ability and power not only to shift your thoughts but to shift your lives and to really feel empowered. You could take those steps, even if it's a small step, each and every day. Take that right now and feel good about yourself and know that you can be in charge of you. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a beautiful day and stay safe wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.